Well, good morning, church. Hey, it's good to be back with you after traveling last week. Uh, most of you know that uh, we drove from San Diego, California, back home this week. Uh, we were moving our son Jonathan back from Phoenix. His one year of residency out in Phoenix was completed, and and so we flew out to Phoenix and got Jonathan loaded up the car and took a detour to San Diego for a couple of days, and uh, then uh, headed back to South Carolina. Um, one thing I learned driving from California to South Carolina, it's a long way. <laughs> but, but I got to hear some good preaching last Sunday. I was at David Jeremiah's church uh, in uh, Shadow Mountain Church in El Cajon, California. So I, I, I got to hear some good preaching last week. I don't know what you all heard. <laughs> well, you know, I know he said something about me, so I just had to go ahead and... Throw it out there. Uh, I did get to see it. We did get to see a lot of beautiful country as we dro- drove across America. I do have to tell you, what we drove in, though, we were in a, I think it's Toyota Corolla. There's three of us. Three of us in a Toyota Corolla with everything that Jonathan owned crammed inside. Now, to give you perspective... Uh, do you remember when there used to be phone booths and you try to get like three people in a phone booth? We drove a phone booth back from California. <laughs> we really did. But we got to see some beautiful, beautiful uh, countryside as we drove across America. I want to tell you something. America may have some problems. It's still the greatest country on earth, in my opinion. And one of the most beautiful as well. Uh, one of the things I saw a lot of, something that I personally love, is mountains. I, I just love the mountains. In fact, I want to ask you to put a picture on the screen that I took as we were traveling. I love the mountains. I grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee, East Tennessee, so I grew up around mountains. They've always been something that just amazed me. The, majest, the majesty and the grandeur and the, the size of the mountains always just amazed me. I, I know you probably can't see it from where you are, uh, but... In kind of the middle of the screen, there's a little bit of a green there. And over on the left-hand side, you might see a white speck. That's a house. Compare that to the size of the mountain. The mountains were way off in the distance, but you can see even there how large they are in size. Uh, and when I look at the mountains, it, they just do something for me because I recognize that mountain was there long before I ever arrived on the scene and it'll be there long after I'm gone from this earth. The, the, the permanency, the stability, the majesty of the mountains amazed me. And it reminded me of something that I read in Scripture. In fact, several times we saw mountains along the way. Beautiful. I've got all kinds of pictures of mountains. I'm not going to show you all of those, but several times along the way, we saw mountains, and I was often reminded of a scripture that I want to share with you today. And it's in Psalm 121, because the psalmist wrote about the mountains as well. He was intrigued by the mountains that he saw. So open God's word with me to Psalm 121. <clears throat> so the question I want to deal with today as we look at Psalm 121 is this one. Where do you go and who do you turn to when you need help in a time of crisis? Where do you go? Who do you turn to when you need help in a time of crisis? 
before we read the text, let me tell you that I remember reading this text one evening in a hotel parking lot years ago in Johnson City, Tennessee. My dad was in the hospital laying in the bed near death. And I walked out of his room and I walked outside into the darkness. I walked out into the parking lot carrying my Bible and I got under a street lamp and I opened to this text. And I simply want to share with you a lesson that I learned that night. And it's a lesson that the psalmist learned 3,000 years ago. And it is still as timely today as it was back then. Here's the lesson. In times of crisis, we have someone we can turn to when no one else can help. In fact, we put it on the screen because I want you to say it with me. And I hope you'll do better than the first group. They, I had to prompt them to get him to, to talk today. But I hope you'll do a lot better. And let's say it together. In times of crisis, we have someone that we can turn to when no one else can help. Y'all did great. I like y'all better than... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't you say that. You get me in trouble. I'm just kidding. Here's what I want you to see as we look at Psalm 121. In times of crisis, we have someone that we can turn to when no one else can help. Now I want to make a few observations about Psalm 121 before we actually look into the text. Uh, so just general foundational observations before we dig into the text. Uh, first of all, the first observation is I want you to look at the superscript or the title under Psalm 121. In my Bible it says, A Song of Ascents. There are 15 songs of ascents. In the Psalms, there are Psalms 120 to 134 grouped together, those 15. They are known as Psalms or Songs of Ascent. It is believed that these were Psalms that were sung by the people as they traveled up the mountain to Jerusalem. When they would travel for one of the three feast days, one of the three Jewish feast days, and they're traveling as a group, they would sing the Songs of Ascent as they went up to Jerusalem to worship. So these are travel songs. These are songs for the road. Songs along the journey of life. And that's why I chose this picture, really, of the mountains. I, as I said, I got a lot of mountain pictures I could have put up there. But I like this one because it has the road there in the foreground. Just a reminder that as you're traveling up the mountain towards Jerusalem, the psalmist reminded the people of where their help ultimately comes from. You see, the Psalms always lead us, the Psalms of Ascent, they, they not only lead us up the mountain, but they actually lead us up in our relationship with God. They remind us upwards. They remind us of our personal walk with God. They lift our hearts, they lift our eyes, they lift our spirits to remind us about the personal God that we serve. So if you're down and discouraged in this journey of life, I would suggest to you spending some time in the Songs of Ascent. Psalms 120 to 134. That's the first observation. Again, these are just laying the foundation for the rest of the text. Second observation is this. I want you to understand that in this text, Psalm 121, there is a dialogue that is occurring between the people who are traveling. They're encouraging one another. The leader of the group speaks in verses 1 and 2. And verses 3 through, out, three through 8, the people respond to what the leader says. Now the reason we know that is because in verses 1 and 2, the leader is speaking in the first person. 
But beginning in verse 3, it switches to second person. The people are responding. And verses 3 through 8, we see it all written in second person. So look at the text with me. I'll show you what I'm talking about. First person. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Then in verse 3, it switches to second person. He will not let your foot slip. He didn't say my foot, your foot. So there's a dialogue here. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber or sleep. And throughout the the entire psalm, uh, the rest of the entire psalm, you see this dialogue occurring between these different groups of people. This was probably what's called an antiphonal psalm as the travelers sang one to another, speaking one to another as they journeyed, making their way up to Jerusalem. Can I just say, based on that, I want to remind you, you need people in your life who will speak the Word of God into your life. When you're going through times of trouble, when you're going through times of sorrow, when you're going through times of grief, when you're going through times of anxiety, when you're going through times of depression, you need the people of God around you speaking the Word of God into your life. And that's what you have in Psalm 121. The people of God making their way up to Jerusalem to worship are speaking to one another, perhaps singing to one another the truth of the Word of God. Now, the third observation before we really look at the text is this. This psalm is composed of four couplets. Now, why is that important? Because each couplet has an introductory line And then the rest of the couplet develops what is said in the introductory line. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. There's the introductory line. There's Even in the NIV, there's a dash there signifying this is a statement and he pauses. He wants you to think about what he says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he amplifies in the rest of the couplet what the statement is in verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Here's the amplification or the explanation. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 3, the second couplet. He will not let your foot slip. That's the statement. Then he amplifies what he said. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. That's the statement. Then he amplifies, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. Verse 7, the fourth couplet. The Lord will keep you from all harm. That's the statement. He he will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Ben Franklin is the one who said, God helps those who help themselves. You thought that was scripture, didn't you? A lot of people think that's in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That was Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin said, God helps those who help themselves. Scripture says, God helps those who can't help themselves. Scripture says, God helps those who seek His help. And that's what one, Psalm 121 is all about. So I want to give you two, with, with all of that as kind of foundation to understanding the psalm, I want to dig into it now and give you just two encouraging truths from Psalm 121. Two things that the Lord has taught me over the years, that night in Johnson City and over the years, and two things that the psalmist taught, or that God taught the psalmist 3,000 years ago. Here's the first statement I want you to get, first truth I want you to know. It's this, the Lord is my sovereign helper. Verses 1 and 2, 
we've read it, but read it again. Follow me as I read. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You may want to underline that in your Bible. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The hills in verse 1 are part of the argument here. The, the mountains are part of the argument that the psalmist is making. That the mountains symbolize strength and stability. They are great in size, long-lasting, and unchanging. And the psalmist said, when I look at the mountains, it reminds me of the one who created them. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The hills are upward in direction. And that's an important statement, that, that the hills are always pointing upward. Because when we're in a time of crisis, when we're struggling with an issue, many times our look is downward. We're downcast, we're discouraged, we're depressed. We're, and our, our focus is, is on our troubles and our problems that are down here. They tend to drag us down further. We, we, we always are, are negative and focused downward. But the psalmist is reminding us that if you're looking down, you're looking in the wrong direction. The hills are a reminder that we are to look up. The mountains that you see in this very picture, they always point up. And the mountains are just a reminder, listen, if you're looking up, you're starting to look in the right direction. But don't just look at the mountains, because if you just look at the mountain, you're, you're missing the point. You're not looking high enough. You see, you need to understand that the mountains that you see are simply a reminder that the God who created them is greater than everything. Psalm 123, verse 1. Look go over a couple of Psalms. Psalm 123, verse 1. I lift up my eyes, he said, this time not to the mountains. He said, I lift up my eyes to you. To you whose throne is in heaven. Remember that these psalms were sung by travelers as they're on their way up to Jerusalem. They're singing these songs as they're climbing the mountain up to Jerusalem. And as they're climbing the mountain up to Jerusalem, at one point, they were able to see the city of Jerusalem. They were able to see the temple within the city. And it was a reminder that my help comes from the Lord. It's a reminder that this mountain is pointing to the one who can help me most. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, "Before the, I love this, listen to this. Look at the picture. Let me just read this text to you. Let this word speak to your heart today. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Can I say to you today that God is bigger than the mountains? The mountains are simply a reminder of the one who placed them there. You see, the mountains are not the solution, but they do point to the solution. Look beyond the mountains to the God who created them. Listen, the mountains of rock can't help you, but Jesus can. Your help comes from the Lord, he says. Well, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? He says, My help comes from the Lord, the Maker. Of those mountains. My help comes from the Lord, the maker, he said, of heaven and earth. I want to show you about three more pictures of our trip. Look at this next picture. 
That's the sun setting over the Pacific Ocean. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And as I was sat there watching the sun set over the Pacific Ocean last Saturday, again, I was thinking about the Scripture. My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Look at the next Scripture, or the next picture. These are called sunset cliffs. I took that picture and I was just amazed at the beauty. And again, a beautiful reminder. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Or look at this next one. You may not be able to see it from where you are. You probably can't see it. I wish you'd come up on stage with me and look at it. But, but don't. We don't have time. <laughs> but it's Stars. One night, I don't remember exactly where we were. I think it was maybe going across New Mexico. One night, driving across the desert of New Mexico, I believe it was New Mexico, driving across the desert somewhere in the middle of nowhere. We were just driving. It was dark. And I don't know if you've ever dri- driven across a desert, but I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing out there. And especially what you don't find out there is light. There's no houses, there are no street lights, there are, there's no store lights, there's, there's no lights. It's just dark. The only lights you see are the lights that are coming from the car coming towards you. And when you're going across the desert, it's a while sometimes before you see one of those. And so it, it is as dark as you can imagine. And we're going across the desert, and, and all of a sudden, Lisa's in the back of the phone booth. And, and she says, she says, Look at the stars. I rolled down the window. Jonathan was driving. I rolled down the window. <laughs> I didn't say that in the first service. I forgot to say that. I rolled down the window. I was looking out. and I've never seen stars like that. I've never seen. You know, here we have so much, so much light around us, it's hard to see the heavens as they really are. But when you're in the midst of darkness, you can see stars like you've never seen before. And we were amazed at the stars and how much we could see of the heavens. I've got to believe the psalmist who did not live in modern days when there were modern lights. Got to believe the psalmist when he was out in the deserts of Judea many times looked up into the stars. He said, my help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Can I say to you today, I know your problem may be big from your perspective, but when you compare it to the maker of heaven and earth, surely you can say, God's got this. I don't. I don't have the answer. You may say, I I can't fix it. I can't change it. But God's got this. Gerald Williamson writes, Because God controls the universe, chance is ruled out. And because it's God who controls the universe, fate is ruled out as well. You see, we live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, that is not ruled by fate or by chance. We live in God's world. It is ruled by Him. And God's providence means that nothing can happen outside of God's will and His providential care. And the psalmist, perhaps in a Judean wilderness, looking at the creation that God made, he said, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. 
Don't lose hope, child of God. He is still sovereign. Maybe, literally, you might need to go on a hike this week. Go hike up a mountain. Or maybe you need to go sit somewhere and watch the sunset and then say out loud, if God can do that, surely He can help me. That's the first truth from Psalm 121. The second truth is this. The Lord is watching over me. The Lord, this maker of heaven and earth, is watching over me. You see that in verses 3 through 8. And it's interesting that he tells us six times that the Lord is watching over us. If he told us once, that would be good. If he told us twice, that would be quite an emphasis. But for some reason, the psalmist needed to make the point again and again and again and again and again and again that the Lord is watching over us. It's important to note the name for God that's used in this psalm. And it's not only used in this psalm, it's used in all 15 of the psalms of ascents. When you see the word, the Lord, in verse 2, you'll notice that it is in all capital letters, spelled out in capital letters. You see it again uh, throughout the psalm. The Lord, for instance, in verse 5, watches over you. Whenever you see the Lord spelled out in capital letters like that, it always signifies the Hebrew word Yahweh, or the Hebrew name Yahweh. Yahweh is God's covenant name. It's a name that speaks of God's relationship and His faithfulness to us. i got to say that again. I want you to get this. Whenever you see the Lord, this creator of heaven and earth, the psalmist refers to Him here as the Lord, Yahweh. And it speaks of His relationship with us and His faithfulness to us. Now, why is that important? Because you need to understand that this Lord, this Creator of the heavens and earth, this One who is in relationship with you, this One who will always be faithful to you, that is the One who every day, every place is watching over your life. Now, don't take my word for it. Just read the text with me. Verse 3. He, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. The Hebrew word for watch or watch over is the Hebrew word shamar. And it means to watch over, to guard, or to protect. It's the same idea of a parent watching over a little two-year-old child. You're watching over that little child to guard, to protect, to take care of. Do they have some freedom to walk around? Yes. But because you are the loving parent, you're watching over that little girl or that little boy to guard and protect and take care of them. That's the same word picture here in Psalm 121. And, and the idea is this, that God never takes His eye off of you. God never takes His eye off of you. 
Would you let that sink in? The maker of heaven and earth never takes his eye off of you. A husband was leaving on a trip and he prayed with his wife before he left and this is what he prayed. Dear Lord, please protect my wife and my children while I'm gone on this trip. When he finished praying, she looked at him and said, Who do you think protects us when you're here? Good question. Psalmist answers in verse 3. He says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Have you ever seen a little child who was scared and nervous as he or she is going to bed and and because the parent is present, because the parent is there patting the back, because the parent is there saying, Daddy's here, Mommy's here, it's okay, go to sleep, you can rest. The child goes to sleep because they understand that the parent is there and he or she is not sleeping. He or she is present. He or she is watching over that child. And the psalmist says, that's God. He never takes his eye off of you. You know, when I was, when I was in seminary, I, I, one of the jobs that I had at, in seminary at Fort Worth, I was a valet car parker uh, at night. I've driven some of the most expensive automobiles you can ever imagine. You name it, I've driven it. Now, I've only driven it 15 feet, but, but I've driven it. They'd come in, they'd come in, they'd come in, nice fancy restaurant. And then after a while, the car stopped coming in because it was getting late. And they were in there eating and drinking. And, and so there was nothing to do except sit there on my little stool and wait for them to get done late at night so I could go get their car so they could go home. So during that time when nothing was happening, sometimes I dozed. You would too if you were sitting there in the middle of, of nothing. You're just sitting outside a restaurant and there's nothing to do and and sometimes I would sit there and I would doze. Last night, or not before last, we were watching a movie. I dozed off. I woke up and it's like, who are all these people? I don't understand what's going on. Probably you've had that experience. Some of you today, this afternoon, you're going to be watching something on television and all of a sudden, it's lights out. I want to say something to you. Listen. It's never lights out with God. He never goes to sleep. He never fails to watch over you. Can I say it to you this way? God never says, what happened? God never wakes up and suddenly is looking, trying to figure out, where am I, what's going on? The psalmist says, he's always watching you. And he tells us that six times. He's watching over you. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 5 and 6. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And then he says in verse 6 something interesting. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. We can understand the sun not harming us by day, that God will be our shade. It's always good to get in the shade in the midst of a hot day. But then he says, nor the moon by night. The Hebrew language often uses pairs of opposite words to signify totality. It's called mirrorism. And it really is just a way of saying 
from one extreme to the other. He, he, he lists opposites, one extreme to the other, to signify it's this and it's that and everything in between. Look at my hands, maybe it'll help you understand. Morning and, and evening and everything in between. That, that's the idea but in the Hebrew language. So when we read that the sun will not harm us by day nor the moon by night, what he's really saying is God protects you at all times. He's watching over you at all times, both day and night, and everything in between, God is watching over you. And then to make the case even further, in verses 7 and 8, he says the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He's not just watching over today. He's watching over your life. And then he makes an even stronger statement in verse 8. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and what, church? Both now and forevermore. This is one of those scriptures that a devout Jew would recite every time they leave their home. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. In fact, uh, there's something in Judaism called a mezuzah. I'm going to ask him to put, the, put that on the screen. A mezuzah is a little cylinder or box that is, that is nailed to the door frame of a home. And inside that cylinder or that little box is this scripture, Psalm 121 verse 8. It's, it's written out, it's rolled up, and it's placed in the mezuzah. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. If you go with me to Israel, you'll see mezuzahs in the door frames in a lot of places. And then look at the next one, the next picture. So here's another example of a mezuzah. And as they were leaving the home that day, they would put their hand on the Word of God. The Lord will watch over your going out and coming in both now and forevermore. Then when they come back in that day, they would put their hand on the mezuzah, on the Word of God, as a reminder that when you walk out, God is with you. And when you come home, God is with you. When you walk out, you're a God's child. When you, walk, when you come back in, you're still God's child. You see, Deuteronomy 28.6 says, You will be blessed when you, come out, when you come in and blessed when you go out. And then look what he says. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. This is another example of the Hebrew language of the opposites signifying totality. Your coming and your going and everything in between, both now and forevermore. Your coming and your going, everything in between, now and forevermore. You know what? The psalmist was saying, basically in Psalm 121, if I could summarize it in one sentence, he was describing this. We're on a journey with God. And we're on a journey to God. And this God, the maker of heaven and earth, is the one who is sovereignly watching over us. This God, the maker of heaven and earth, is the one who will never take his eye off of us. We're on a journey with God, and we're on a journey to God. And he's signifying in Psalm 121, God cares for you. He will provide for you. He is there to help you, both now and forevermore. You may be worried about the future. 
both now and forevermore. You may have something you can't handle, something bigger than you are, both now and forevermore. Put up the, the last picture, please. You see, in times of crisis, we have someone that we can turn to when no one else can help. Now, in my Bible, you may want to put it in your Bible as well. In my Bible, in the column of Psalm 121, I've written Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. I've written that in the column of my Bible there beside Psalm 121. Isaiah 41. Would you go over to Isaiah 41? Isaiah 41, verse 10 and verse 13. This idea that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is with us and is watching over us and will help us is not just in the Psalms. It's not just in the Psalms of Ascent, but it is throughout the Bible. And one of the places you see it is in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah said, in Isaiah 41, 10, So do not fear. I am with you. You might want to just underline that. That may be what God is encouraging you today. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13. For I am the Lord. Notice all caps. Jehovah. Yahweh. I am the Lord, covenant name for God, His relationship with us, His faithfulness to us. I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, I will help you. In times of crisis, we have someone we can turn to when no one else is there to turn to. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the encouraging word that we don't need to fear when we know you. We don't need to fear what today holds or even what is coming tomorrow or next year when we know you. When we can say the Lord is my helper, the sovereign Lord, the maker of heaven and earth is watching over me. Thank you for that promise and that hope. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed, I have to say one final word to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can't say what the psalmist said. You can't say, the Lord is watching over me. The maker of heaven and earth is helping me. Because you don't know Him. You don't know Him. You can know Him. You can know the Maker of heaven and earth. The sovereign God of the universe can be your Lord and your Savior. He can be the one who changes your life and changes your future, changes your perspective on what you're facing right now. The Lord, the sovereign God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, wants to have a relationship with you. If you understand that you're a sinner, believing that Christ died on the cross for your sins in your place, 
and that God raised him from the dead, you can say, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin and come into my life? Lord, would you change me? And you could leave this place today with the confidence knowing, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The one who made you knows how to help you if you'll turn to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, if someone doesn't know you as Savior, may today be the day of surrender where they invite you into their lives. I pray in Christ's name.